0: Hello and welcome to today's episode of Doing Good. We're celebrating Rashid Fakrudin, whose volunteer service is usually under the radar. He gladly serves his family, friends, religion, nonprofits, and larger community. He has received their thanks in a variety of ways, including when he experienced a life-changing health event. Rashed, I'm so glad to welcome you to the Doing Good podcast today thank you for joining us. Would you please introduce yourself to the listeners out there so they'll have a better idea of who you are and who they're listening to today?
1: My name is Rashad Pakruden. I grew up in Nashville all but one year of my life. We moved here in 1970. I was a baby. What brought us here was Meharry Medical College, HBCU. My dad was a psychiatrist. He came to teach here, so I was originally born in bangladesh which used to be pakistan which used to be india so i guess by nature i'm diverse in so many ways with backgrounds and then of course i'm american so uh, everything you want to know so uh growing up here i went to high school college uh, vanderbilt and went to I, I i had a little stint outside of nashville for Uh, four years, went to grad school, Atlanta, I was at Georgia Tech, and then I was in in, uh, at IBM in Charlotte, Knoxville, I was there working as a young professional for a year, and thank God I got to move back to Nashville, the opportunity arose, NES called me in 1995, love Nashville, it's home, but it was nothing like it is today, it didn't have any sports team, but it was really my parents, I wanted to serve them and be close to them, make them happy. And so my intention was really to serve them. And so the rest has been, that was the best decision probably I made in my life. So I ended up here. I've been here for at NES for about 26 years. I supervise one of our engineering departments. Uh, the section is substation control design. Basically all the electrical work that's comprised in a substation that comes from my group uh, we design and then implement it.
0: Would you explain to us or to the
1: listeners what NESS stands for? Nashville Electric Service. We provide electricity. We do our best to serve our customers. It's a great place to work. Anyone looking for a place to work? We're not all engineers. I mean, maybe about out of 1,000 employees, 100 maybe engineers, and I'm electrical. We got civil. You got people from all disciplines. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, mechanics, electricians. Lawyers, business, uh, people with finance. You know, a year ago, we got caught with the tornado. And then a few months later, the Derrico and NES uh, being part of this team just, uh, you know, had to go above and beyond to make sure to restore power. Anyhow, that's a little pitch about NES. I love this place, but it is uh, tech, very technical um, in terms of from the engineering perspective. But then, of course, I have three kids, uh, beautiful kids there. Thank God they're actually from grad school, college, and high school. Mary Yusuf Imran married, my wife Labuni, a wonderful wife, and then my parents and two siblings with their families, uh, with kids, my nephews, nieces. So we have a lot of family members in Nashville. Being the first to move here in 1970 from my dad's uh, and mom's family, a lot, lot more aunts and uncles moved here. So this is like nothing other than home to me in so many ways. And then I've been involved with a lot of nonprofits. Uh, I serve on different boards. Uh, YWCA, that whose mission is whose mission is to eliminate racism, empower women, and promote peace, justice, freedom, and dignity for all. You're not moved by just that mission. Just check out their work. And so, I've been honored to be part of the board the last six years. And I know Megan, you've been gracious to join me on in some of our events. Uh, the YWCA Spring Breakfast, and so amend together. Uh, that's a primary uh, education prevention initiative dedicated to ending violence against women by by engaging men and boys in the conversation. And we can talk a lot about that, but I'm just giving like an overview of just what I'm involved with. That's been probably one of the uh, areas I'm most passionate about. You know, how can we make Nashville the safest city? for women and girls. That was it. That was actually a goal for, from uh, Mayor Carl Dean, Mayor Barry, you know, the past uh, four mayors. That's always been a goal. You have to have a goal. You have to know what the statistics are. You got to know what's going on in your society and then do something about it. And a men together provides that avenue, especially for men and boys to get involved and where it's no longer just a women's issue. Cause you know, Nashville, I mean, Tennessee is number five in the country at Every day, three women lose their lives to domestic violence. One in four women in their lifetime are going to be victims of domestic violence. And so, Pat Shea, our previous CEO at the YWCA, started this in 2013. I attended a simple, uh, you know, like you came to our breakfast, Megan, you know, just learn, connect, build relationships. So, I, I attended it due to two friends on the board, Jeannie Pupu, Pupu Walker and Kasar Abdullah, a great leader in our community, Kurdish. They invited me and I attended and the rest is history. Uh, I, I loved what they were doing and I tied it to our faith teachings and saying, you know, through faith, we can also combine our teachings through faith. And you have the, especially the Methodists uh, are involved. They've done curriculums for Sunday schools, for their men's program, a friend Gil Hank. And the guy at the helm of this right now, of course, our great CEO now is Sharon Roberson. And the VP of, of the External Affairs and the Men Together, the one who's leading it, great role model, Shane Foster. And so if you can't gravitate around him and this cause, yeah, people are missing out. So there are opportunities. When people look to how can I volunteer? Hey, I, did, I didn't know anything about uh, YWCA, but once you build these relationships, you just attend an event and there's plenty of opportunities. Then you find ways you can give back to the community, as long as you, you know have that same passion, there are plenty of opportunities. And so uh, Shane is leading it and it's growing around the country. People are coming to Nashville to see how does this happen. And we have 23 clubs in the high schools for boys. Uh, it's, it's sort of the counterpart to Girls Inc. You could say you have Girls Inc., which inspires girls to be strong, smart, and bold. And then you have uh, YWCA amend uh, together, right? And they have clubs all over the high schools and middle schools, and they're looking to elementary schools. But again, this is in the middle of Tennessee, Nashville, Davidson County area. As far as Hawaii has come to observe and see what are we doing and wants to replicate it. So Shane has been going to all over the country try to empower others to do the work uh, so that they can you know, carry it on. Great. Right. That's
0: wonderful. Well, could you explain to the listeners a little bit about how you volunteer with both YWCA and amend and sometimes the two together?
1: I got invited to join their board in 2014 or so. And, you know, they work with victims of violent crimes. There's, you know, they still also work with, you know, domestic violence victims, but it's a little more, it's a little more broad in different areas, including, uh, you know, there's human trafficking going on. There's the anti-bully movement. They have programs for schools for anti-bullying. Uh, a great organization led by a great lady and our executive director, Kathy Gurley. Awesome. So, And it has a great group of leadership. So both of these are just incredible what they're doing. And then education. Of course, Islamic Center of Nashville. I've been president in the past. I've been engaged there for over almost two and a half decades as a board member and, and activist. But my dad and a few uncles and a lady founded it in 1979. So that's a whole nother area of volunteerism that sort of crossed paths with these other areas. And it's just, when you're doing good, you're know, trying to do good in the community, you find others who are doing good. And then if that's your passion, you just end up gravitating. And education probably is the biggest area that I've been involved with. Through the school, district, through NES, actually thanks to National Electric Service and Pencil, which uh, if you know about Pencil, who really they're the number one leader in terms of engaging community resources, getting them together to serve the school, uh, whether it's the LT box, whether it's, uh, they were part of uh, uh, that committee that was involved with the Academies of Nashville. You know about the Academies of Nashville. That's what was introduced to Nashville back around 2006 or so. And through that initiative, you have now these career pathways in the school district whether it's law, you know, engineering, it could be a business, health sciences, entertainment, and so forth. And it allows in the, the hospitality. It allows for the students to be engaged and take electives in those certain career pathways. So now the graduation rate went from all-time low in 2005, 58 percent, to now it's around 82 percent, 81 percent, over the la consistently over the last five six years. Education. There's a whole another realm of volunteerism I've been involved with mostly over the last decade, serving through NES, uh, National Electric Service, uh, co-chairing chairing at one point, the Partnership Council with which um, the chamber helped put together. Pencil was part of it as well. Metro School, they said, we got to do something. They looked at a mod, several models, Florida, I believe, Texas, and introduced that uh, program into Nashville School District and, you know, tailored it. And Pencil, again, that's an area that I just love the work they do. And uh, they even have been, you know, helping with the distribution of food during COVID in these four different sites that are, have the full Family
0: Resource Center. So if you could talk with us for just a minute about your volunteering, Rashid, how did you get started, first of all? And then, um, because that might have begun for you as a child, but maybe older, and then frankly, you've been a volunteer for years of your life, and then you had a, a just a physical trauma happen, which changed you in your life. So I would like to address how you volunteer since then as well.
1: As a kid, I would volunteer, but nothing to this level. I wish going back, I, I did more. You know, that's, that's something like if I was in high school, I wish I could have done more and been more engaged. I was engaged, but not to this level, I would never see myself where I am today in high school. Uh, in terms of in volunteering, in at college I'd volunteer to a degree, but not to this level. I think it started when I moved back to Nashville, 1995, and it starts. You start, you start in the area that you're involved with already, like the mosque. If a person goes to a church, a synagogue, you name it, and I saw an opportunity. We had an influx of Kurdish Somalians coming to Nashville in the mid 90s. We had just started our first Islamic school, Nashville International Academy. Not everyone goes to a full-time, you know, parochial school. And I saw there are a lot of kids who weren't, you know, getting their at least some teachings in the on throughout the week. So I was like, let me see what I can do, get plugged in. I see an opportunity where I won't step on others. So I asked the permission of the board as a volunteer, young professional. I said, you know, I want to help, you know, put something together for Sunday weekend school. So that's that was. Probably when I look back in terms of just volunteering within my own mosque, I started getting engaged. And once you start making an imprint there, they ask you people like say, And I do the same thing. If I see someone volunteering, I'm like, "Hey, can you join our board? You know, we want we want active members, not people just by name." And so next thing, before I knew it, I was like actively recruited to serve on the board. And then I served leadership roles. But then. In terms of engagement with the community, I'd say late 90s. So Islamic Center of Nashville for about two decades, we weren't involved like going out, interfaith. There, there was a few instances. My dad was involved, but those were like far and beyond. Just that wasn't the thing those days because there's so much just the internal uh, engagement, meeting with the mayor, Mayor Parcel, That was the first time I wasn't used to that, and now it's like it's normal. I talk to the mayor, the chief of police john drake he's a good friend we just spoke this week and uh we served on both you have the power board and amend together so it's just uh crazy what's happened but it's all based i think on relationships and just trying to do good within your area that you have you know some control in and when i say control it's not to take power it's just like you're already there so you can do something whether you're at work so then like uh that was That began sort of the engagement outside of our four walls in the mosque. And by the way, Cat Stevens, uh, who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Yusuf Islam, he was actually one, gave part of the seed money to start the Islamic center of Nashville back in 1979. And we finally got to meet him. We showed him the mosque and he wrote something beautiful about us in the, in the Tennessean. But the thing Uh was, you know, for us as a mosque and has this history tied to Cat Stevens who, a Nobel Emmy, you know, he was. he? Not, I mean, he's been recognized for his peace efforts, humanitarian efforts. Right. effort. So it makes sense for our mosque to reflect part of you know that it shouldn't lose its roots. And so engagement with the community. I remember uh, in 2003, uh, Alan Mazer, leader at the Temple, Temple meaning the the synagogue, but it's called the Temple. He came by, two friends with my dad. I was serving leadership role at the Islamic Center of Nashville, and he said, "I got an idea. Let's." Get the three faiths together—Judaism, Christianity, and Islam—and let's go build a Habitat for Humanity house. I never even thought. I mean, I just knew it was a great organization. Jimmy Carter. That's it. I didn't know you could <laughs> get plugged in. So it takes these relationships. He wouldn't have known. We wouldn't have done it if he had not had the relationship with my dad, who's you know a pioneer in in the Muslim community, who really helped lift this community and engage it. One of the main pioneers. I don't want to say the only. And so. Uh, it was very interesting how that uh, propelled us to more engagement opportunities up till today. Uh, I remember just through uh, my first, first, like, not really a board, the Community Advisory Board at Nashville Public Television. I was recruited in 2000 through a Somalian friend. We both went to Vanderbilt together. He didn't come through when the refugees came, he had been here in the late 80s. He recommended me to serve on NPT advisory board. And I'm like, uh, i would never been outside of the Islamic Center of National on a board level. And so that was like that opened the doors to other things. So I was there for 15 years. And then I was like, I need to like, roll off and have others come in. But I, the thing is, when I was in a board, I tried to get others engaged. I tried to give, I don't want to be on a board all my life. I want to find like a rotation and bring people, in, you know, new people, not the same old people. Empower them uh, at the Islamic Center of the National Board. I was president from 15 to 14 to 18. And that was the growth of women in our leadership. But it, was, it had to be intentional. I remember till 2014, there's only one female on our board. It just <laughs> wasn't the culture. And it's not just, you know, even to get women onto the board, it's not like, okay, we want. You got to make it, you know, it has to be super intentional. And you have to listen you have to engage them uh and when they're in the board they can't be just a token i mean they're like they're doing more i think than men in our community uh we started american muslim advisory council and it was almost i'd say as a result of the anti-sharia bill in 2011. it was a bill by legislatures to suppress muslims from practicing their faith under the name of terrorism so it was of course it was violating the law but it was a big movement around the country, so we banded together, and we had some partners, uh, interfaith partners. Even the governor uh, was on our side, behind the scenes, Haslam. But we defeated it, and then we started uh, American Muslim Advisory Council. Sabina Mohyuddin, my younger sister, she's the director, executive director, and they empower the Muslim community to vote, build relationships with law enforcement and government agencies. They do. They've been doing COVID distribution, uh, food distribution during COVID. So Again, getting our community engaged, but the more than half of those leaders who led that fight were women in our community. Correct. so it's like uh we have to engage and be intentional, just like diversity. If you want this uh you know national leadership to reflect what's out there, you know there are forty thousand Muslims. We need to see more Muslims in the mayor's office and boards and so forth. And I think a lot of organizations in the city is beginning to recognize it because mm-hmm. we've come to another level yet. And so the other area that really that propelled me to get engaged was through NES National Electric Service through so a good friend uh, Laura Smith. She's our VP uh, at NES uh, with our legal, you know, uh, general counsel. She's and so in 2000 or so, in the late 90s, NES was getting involved with pencil. And this is interesting because as a graduate of Hillsborough High School, uh, back in the day, when I came back as a young professional, I always felt that urge. It was just innate. I was like, now that I don't have to study anymore, I'm just here nine, you know, coming around seven to four, stay late some days, whatever. I have time. It's not like I got to go back and study. I'm a young professional. What can I do? I was always thinking, I want to do something for Hillsborough High School. And then all of a sudden the opportunity came up for Pencil. Now it wasn't at Hillsborough, it was as a reading partner to Glenn, um, uh, yeah, school's name, Glenn, Glenn uh, Dale Elementary, I believe, or uh, but it enhanced, Glenn Enhanced Optional School in a high poverty rate. And so we'd go every week, we took our training for reading to kids. I loved it, you know, but it this is what led me to eventually doing what I do today with the school district. Uh, once I got uh, recruited by the former chambers director of education in 2008 for NES to serve on the academies of Nashville, the Cham- partnership council. Once I got in there, I found doors, not just, you know, listening and hearing what's going on, by hearing and observing the the issues of the school district directly. I was like, well, NES has uh, an evaluation system, and we have we get evaluated based on basically our professional, uh, I mean our uh, what you know, professional skill sets, you know, teamwork, uh, work quality, communications, interpersonal skills, all that. And I was talking to Hillsborough's uh, academy coach in 2012. I was like. You know, what can I do to you? Now I'm on this, I have a position, I have an opportunity to engage and do something fruitful. And she said, Hey, you know, we have this professional skills uh, rubric. And I looked at it, I said, Wow, that's very similar. What y'all are trying to instill in our metro school kids in ninth grade is exactly those employable skills that uh, at NES we value. And it, I'm sure it's at other uh, companies, it's not just National Electric Service, but my frame of reference is here. I was like, you know what, let me work on something. This was all on my volunteer time, not NES, not, not Metro School. This was, I was like, let me think of something. So Maybe I spent 70 hours or so on my time and put something together on professional life skills, preparing for success in high school, college, careers, and most in life. And after doing that, I presented it to the school district. I said, you know, this ties in what y'all are trying to teach, but bringing real life experience. And they loved it. Then I shared it with NES, the management team. I said, you know, this is what I put together. I'd love it to go. You know, I would like to do this on behalf of NES, not me. I look at like you do stuff as a team, not not for individual recognition. And they were so kind, gracious. They said, yeah, go for it. So over the last eight, seven years, except last year with COVID until March, uh, I go probably to hit about 17, 16. Not every single high school, because I coordinated. I can do every high school, but coordinate speaking on this. Uh, it could be a 20-minute session. It could be a whole class. I've engaged other NES employees who'll go. And the whole idea, the thing is, the byproduct of this is a business partner, a community leader, a community partner. You build these relationships with the kids. I can't explain how many kids you know we've helped mentor, whether through NES or personally. Through these relationships. So they have to see the community. You know, it takes a village to raise a kid. When you know the issues within the city, it's just hard to stay still reading, you know, reading the challenges for reading for kids. What can you do about it? The great thing is we have so many
0: nonprofits in Nashville
1: and uh, there's no excuse not to be able to get involved
0: you're so right. And you've already talked about how someone could be and could get involved for the first time. You've also talked about um ways to get involved with additional nonprofits once you're already plugged in in some way. And there is recognition of um you know everybody can volunteer at some level. Not everybody can be or sh- wants to be on a board, for example, but like what you're saying is you coordinate you speak you represent you recruit you do you're out there educating also reading to children you're doing you've got your hands on neck deep into volunteering throughout the community and frankly with both local ties and national and so I'm wondering what like if you had to put it in one sentence or less I won't ask you to limit it to one word what keeps you going back to do these things? Because you have so many passions. What keeps you going back as a volunteer?
1: Maybe loyalty. You know, when you, when you belong, like when you're in a company, you belong, you feel empowered. I feel empowered, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at the mosque, whether it's at in Nashville, uh, whether it's with my non- nonprofit organizations or with the school district, with councils that I serve in when you feel that loyalty, that compassion, you know, go beyond your heart. Right. You know, through volunteering, through doing something. You know, if you say you care for the kids, it's not just legislation you put up there and say, now, you know, the kids have to perform. No, you gotta be there, you gotta hold their hands. You have to, you know, give them a call. I mean, I know there's several kids I've mentored and one was a kid who's now, uh, he interned with us at. Uh, National Electric Service. His name is Will Griffin. He's from Pearl Cone, and I got to meet him while speaking to the freshmen. And then a year later, NES takes four Opportunity Now students, and so we took him. Great kid. I mean, he was answering my questions. I mean, he wanted to be an engineer at the time. Now he's doing going to sports medicine. He just graduated early from Pearl Pearl Cone and is going to UT. But I mean, we keep in touch. It's not like a one-time thing. We can't leave kids, you know, on their own. And if you think about again, with care, compassion, love, uh volunteering, but also having knowledge of what's going on around you, you have to be aware of your own locality. Nashville, mm-hmm. we have you know a school district with about seventy percent living in poverty and in, in terms of poverty rate, or in fruit free and reduced lunch when it used to be there. When you know that, and you know the statistics with hunger. In Tennessee, I mean, how can you just be selfish? Oh, I got my car. I got my kids. Are, have everything in life. Well, they're your. They're all our kids. This is our city. We're one family.
0: And thank you so much for uh, sharing your time and experiences with us today. You have given so much of yourself, body, mind, soul, spirit, in every way, to this community and beyond and just like you said you are going beyond hopefully those listening will soak that in and realize that they too can potentially go beyond and start reaching and doing for others so thank you Rashad. it was such a pleasure and i can't wait to hear the next thing that you're up to
1: an honor to be on your show and love what you're doing with you know putting this podcast together and uh pleasure meeting you selena and danielle
0: for listening to the Doing Good Podcast. Follow us online at Doing Good TV on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, LinkedIn, or YouTube. Together, we are celebrating those who do good.